Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. There's nothing worse than an adult who pouts. I mean, you expect little kids to throw a fit, to get all sulky and to pout. That's not fair. I can't believe it. That's not fair. You stick your lip out. I'm mad. But it's really quite disturbing when you see adults acting like a little toddler, throwing a fit. Well, that's what we're going to find here in 1 Kings 21. King Ahab throws a fit, pouts like a little baby. Why? Because I didn't get my way. And he sticks out his lower lip. And he goes to his bed and lays down and curls up in a little ball. And it's just not fair. I'm sure he probably started sucking his thumb. He's such a little baby. I mean, this is King Ahab. He's king of Israel. He's probably in his 40s. He's a mighty man. He's got all this power. He goes into battle. He shoots bows and arrow, and he throws a fit like a little baby. Why in the world did this happen? What is he throwing a fit over? Well, he has a summer house. Now, most people back then only had one house, and most of us today only had one house. Well, if you are a rich king, you have a winter palace, a spring palace, and a summer residence. Well, he had a summer residence, and it was in Jezreel, north of Samaria, about 25 miles. And he he could stay there, and it was cooler in the summer, and it was a little nicer, and he could do all these things in a nice, cooler atmosphere. Well, next to his summer residence in a town called Jezreel, there was a man named Naboth who had a vineyard. Well, this vineyard where they would grow grapes and other types of fruit was right next to King Ahab's land. And Ahab wanted it. So one day he went to Naboth and said, hey, 
Will you give me your land? I'll buy it outright from you. I don't want to just take it. I'll buy it from you. I'll offer you a fair price, please. I would like your vineyard. He probably saw it was beautiful. Lots of luscious grapes. And he can make his own wine and have his own grapes to eat every day. Oh, this would be so great to have my own vineyard. Yes, yes, Naboth. Can I buy it? Can I buy it? Well, Naboth said, no, I I can't sell it to you. Now, the reason he couldn't sell it is because the average Israelite knew that the land he had was given to him from God. And since it was given to him from God, it was basically given to his great-great-grandfather by God. And so when you inherited land in your era, that land was part of your family lineage and passed on from father to son to son to son. But ultimately, the owner of the land in Israel was God. And the idea in Israelite law was that the Israelites temporarily borrowed the land allotted to them by Yahweh. For that reason, they couldn't sell the land outside of the family because that land had been given to them by God to stay within that family. Or maybe Naboth wanted to sell it, but he couldn't. Levitical law would not let him do it. So he told him no. And he said, if I did this, Ahab, this would be a big sin before Yahweh, and I can't do that. So Ahab, when he found out he couldn't get the land, you know what he did? He threw that fit. It says there he was vexed and sullen and went and lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Again, he's acting like a little baby. Here Naboth is saying, I can't do it because this is land given to my family from God. I'd be breaking God's law. And instead of Ahab saying, oh yeah, I forgot about that. He throws a fit and he lays on his bed and and he wouldn't come out to eat and he wouldn't come out to play. So Jezebel, his wife, comes to him. I wonder if she got tired of him, you know? She's like, man, if I was the man in this relationship, if I could be king, you know what I could do, but whatever. Hey, Ahab, what's the problem? Why is your spirit so vexed and you eat no food, is what Jezebel asks him. And and Ahab explains the whole story. Well, Naboth won't sell me the vineyard. He says it belongs to his whole family. He'd be breaking some Levitical law. Well, Jezebel is not a Jew. She's not from the land of Israel. She comes from a totally different country where they worship a totally different God and they have other pagan ways of doing things. And in her land, if the king wanted land, he could just go in there and take it. He could do what he wanted to. She goes, don't you govern Israel? Aren't you king? Come on, you can do what you want. You're king. You've got all the power. So she says, all right, get up, eat. We're going to take care of this. And Jezebel does indeed take care of it. What she does is she writes a letter to the city where Naboth lived. And she writes it in the name of King Ahab. And she seals it with King Ahab's seal. And what they did there is once they wrote it, they would fold it up and then they put some hot wax dripping on there. Then they would take the seal that was on your ring and 
push it down and there, the seal can't be broken because it's there that King Ahab has his seal. That seal meant this letter is from the king and she signed it probably King Ahab and she sends it to the city where Naboth lived, to the elders. And the elders open it up and they read it. And what Jezebel asked them to do is pretty wicked stuff. She basically says, I need you to lie, elders. I need you to declare a fast. Now, back then, a fast would occur if some evil had befallen a city or group of people. So they would fast to find out, was this curse coming from God for a particular person because of something that had happened? Well, you declared a fast to sort of find out what happened to listen to God. And so Jezebel said, declare a fast. And what I want you to do is have Naboth at this fast. And then I need you to find, the Bible literally calls them scoundrels. Men of ill repute. Bad dudes who will come to this fast and lie. I want you to find two men who will openly lie about Naboth. Saying that he cursed God, and that's why this trouble had befallen this town, and that's why we're declaring this fast. And when the people find out that Naboth cursed God, the only thing they'll have to do is to take Naboth out and to stone him to death. I mean, that was the punishment for cursing God. So she writes this in this letter, signs it King Ahab, seals it with King Ahab's seal, sends it to the town where Naboth lived, probably Jezreel. And the men of the town get it. They read it. They then find two scoundrels who are willing to lie. And they call a fast. They establish a fast, a day of not eating. Remember, not drinking a fast. You can only drink water, nothing else. Maybe some problem had befallen this town, or maybe they made it up. I don't know, but they declared a fast. Well, they invited all the men of the city to this fast, and one of them was Naboth. And then they brought in... These two scoundrels who came in and told the lies about Naboth. And when the town heard that Naboth had cursed God, they of course thought that all the tragedy that had befallen them had come because of what Naboth had done. And maybe they started to get up and they're getting angrier and angrier. And can you imagine Naboth? He probably stood up and he said, hey, I didn't do this. I didn't. And maybe he was trying to defend himself. But in Old Testament law, if you could find two witnesses, two, you had to have at least two, not just one. You had to have two witnesses who would corroborate each other's story. You could, you had to have two witnesses, but if they're willing to lie and they're willing to make things up and you didn't do it, you had no defense. You had two corroborating witnesses. And according to Old Testament law, that meant what they were saying is true. Now, why didn't the elders search it out? Why didn't the elders make certain it was true? Because they made up the whole lie themselves. They were afraid of Jezebel. Well, they were afraid of Ahab, but probably they knew that Jezebel had written this whole letter 
And so they grab Naboth. They take him outside the city. And they stoned him to death. See, and back then they would take him to the edge of a pit. And the story is, at least in the days of Paul's, they would throw him down the pit. And if that didn't kill him, they'd then throw a big rock upon their chest. And if that didn't kill him, then the people surrounding the pit would pick up stones and start throwing stones at him. And I don't know, maybe they did that in the first fall, killed poor Naboth. But all I know is that the men of the city, they stoned Naboth to death over a lie. Over an absolute lie. And I can't imagine what poor Naboth must have gone through. This is my vineyard. You know, and, 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 and he probably knows that this whole thing is concocted to get his vineyard. And probably the news had leaked that Ahab's wife Jezebel had done this. Or maybe just wicked Ahab had done this. But to be so unfairly treated, this is injustice of the highest order. Where are the elders of this town? They're just as wicked as Jezebel. And Ahab is just as wicked as Jezebel. You know, people blame Jezebel for this, but where was Ahab? Where were the elders of the city? They did nothing. They stopped at nothing. And Naboth, the innocent in this whole thing, just because he followed what was right, was killed for it. When the elders of the town came and told Jezebel, hey, Naboth is dead. Jezebel then went and told King Ahab, Naboth is dead. He's been stoned. Now, isn't that interesting? That the elders of the town, they sent to Jezebel, even though the letter was written by King Ahab, even though the letter was sealed with King Ahab's seal, they knew they got to send the news to Jezebel. I think they knew the power behind the throne. Well, when Ahab heard that Naboth was stoned to death and that this vineyard was now his... Now, here's the thing, right? Naboth probably had sons. Why didn't they pass the vineyard on to the son? Well, it seems like in 2 Kings chapter 9, there might be an idea here that they didn't just stone Naboth. They might have killed his whole family, wiped out all the inheritance. Or maybe they thought, since Naboth committed the sin and we arrested him, now that he's a criminal and he was stoned, this property falls into the hands of the government, and maybe that's how they got it. There's cheating. There's death. All for a stupid plot of land. Well, Ahab all of a sudden becomes happy. He's all excited. He's giddy. Jezebel says, arise, get up, go. The vineyard is yours. And Ahab gets up, oh, takes his thumb out of his mouth. Yes, I'm excited. Wipes his tears. You're going to get a do it. Yeah, this is so good. He's so excited. He quits sulking like a little baby and he starts walking to Jezreel to see his new vineyard. I'm on my way to Jezreel to see my new vineyard. And he's so excited. Maybe he's dancing. And then... <sighs> He sees him. Oh, no. Not him. I wonder if Ahab's thinking. 
Not that guy again. He's standing in my pathway. No, please, not him. You know who he was looking at? You know who he was staring at? In fact, Ahab goes, Oh, no, look. It is my enemy. He goes, You have found me, oh, my enemy. Earlier he had said to this guy, You disturber of the house of Israel, right? You stir her up. I was great. Everything's great. It's not you again. Oh, no, you have found me. Oh, my enemy, I hate you. You know who he was looking at, right? Elijah. Elijah was back. And he stood in the pathway between Ahab and that vineyard. And Ahab probably thought to himself, I can't believe it. I'm caught again. Now remember, Ahab said, you have found me, oh my enemy. Can't stand you, stupid Elijah. Well, Elijah, he responds with, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. You know what? I wouldn't have to find you if you'd quit doing evil. If you did what was right, I wouldn't have to find you. But because you do evil, I have to find you. And guess what? This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off every male from your family. The house of Ahab will cease to exist. And you know what? The dogs will eat your wife Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. And the same dogs will lick up your blood. Do you understand that, Ahab? God says enough is enough. In the ancient Near East, dogs were like scavenger animals. You didn't have them in your house. They weren't pets. They weren't beautiful creatures. No. If dogs were eating you, that's basically a curse. That's the worst way to die. The dogs are going to devour you, Jezebel. The dogs are going to lick up the blood of Ahab and even of you. This is going to be bad. I'm going to totally wipe your family out because of this sin. And then the writer of 1 Kings adds this. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Think about that. The writer of 1 Kings, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is basically God talking, and he said, we've had Jeroboam, we've had Basha, they've all been bad. We've had Omri, Ahab's dad was terrible. But none of them were remotely as bad as Ahab. He was evil, stacked upon evil, stacked upon evil, Stacked upon evil. And one of the reasons he was so so evil was because of his wife. His wife Jezebel taught him how to worship Baal. Taught him how to worship Asherah. Brought in her own prophets. Brought in the worship of Baal and Asherah. Brought all of this in. And then she encouraged Ahab. She's the one who wrote the letters, right? 
God said, enough is enough. Your actions, the words he uses here, are abominable. You can't get worse than that. This was King Ahab. This is what was said of him by Almighty God. Man, I wonder what God says about me, you know? I hope he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're one of mine. And I'm thankful that I know the Lord Jesus is my Savior because I can go to him for repentance every day. The Bible says if you're willing to confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I am so thankful, the Bible says, I have an advocate, the great high priest Jesus, who goes to the throne of his Father and advocates for me. And I am so thankful that I know Jesus is my Savior who died on the cross for my sins, took what I deserved. I'm so thankful for that. Well, you know what? When Ahab hears what God is going to do to him and his wife Jezebel because of his sin, you know what Ahab does? It says he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body, which is basically itchy type of fabric, and he fasts, and he goes about sad. He basically humbles himself. I shouldn't say he repents, because I don't think he does, but he humbles himself, and he realizes what he has done, and he realizes the depths of his evil, and he realizes the fate that's about to befall him, and he puts on these clothes of mourning. He begins to humble himself before God, and he goes about in great sorrow. So God comes to Elijah, and he says this, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I'm going to fulfill my prophecy. I think he just realized how sinful he was, and he realized what he had done. And I wonder if the injustice of what he'd done to Naboth and what he'd allowed Jezebel to do in his name came to a head where he finally humbled himself before God. This is the part that blows my mind. Think about all the evil things Ahab had done. But when Ahab shows a little bit of repentance, God is loving and kind, and he is merciful. And he says to Elijah, because he humbled himself, I'm going to fulfill my prophecy against him, not in my day, but in his son's days. Man, what a gracious and loving God we have. And I just want to say, if you think you've gone too far, there's no way back. If you think you've committed too many sins, I want to say no. If anybody could have said that, that was Ahab. God is willing and loving and open to hear you. If you seek him, he will be found. That's what the Bible says. I encourage you today, ask God to forgive you of your sins. Confess your sins. Truly repent and turn to Jesus.
Remember, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 is where that beautiful verse can be found. God took Ahab's humility here. If God can do that for Ahab, man, you know God can do it for you. And this story here shows what a merciful and loving God we have. Now what's going to happen to King Ahab? Seems like he only repents for a little bit. But you know what? Notice what God says. He says, I'm going to wait and withhold my fulfillment of this prophecy until the lives of his children. But does he say that of Jezebel? No. Do you ever see Jezebel repenting here? No. Do you see Jezebel humbling herself here? No. So what's going to happen to Ahab and Jezebel? Well, it's an interesting story. And you're going to want to hear it. So make sure to come back next week. But for now, I just want to end with this. Number one, if you have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you need to do it. You need to put your believing loyalty in Jesus and say, I'm going to follow this wonderful God who is quick to forgive, who is quick to be merciful, even as somebody as rotten as King Ahab. What a merciful God. And I would encourage you, number two, to memorize 1 John 1, 9. And whenever you sin, confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive you. And you can make your relationship right with the Lord again and keep that relationship new and fresh every morning. Confession is good for the soul, the Bible says, right? I just pray that you start to build a relationship with this wonderful, merciful, loving God. And His name is Jesus. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.